Some of you are really nervous. You're like, that's not a church song. They sing about whiskey and getting drunk. Welcome to Flatirons. And uh, no, actually that ties in what we're going to talk about, about later. I, I'm really, really glad that, that, that you're here. Uh, last week, you know, it's Easter. I invited you to hey, try to string two or three together. And last weekend we had over 25,000 people come through our doors, which is really fantastic, but it makes me nervous. And, and, and here's why. It's because visitors, you know, you come, and a lot of you are visitors, and, and I hope we don't make you feel weird, okay? Meaning is that some churches just are weird, right? Give me that, all right? And, and they, they try to reach out to visitors, and they just do the weirdest stuff. And so if we... we we try to make the parking lots work and get your kids in. But if we did anything weird last week or this week, we're sorry. But if you think we're bad, let me just say this. There's, I, found, I heard about another church that's very weird. Uh, and I'm going to tell you this is so inappropriate, but I don't care. It's the last service. So anyway, here it is. Is that, so somebody had this great idea that when visitors come to their church, when they walk in the door, they put a sticker on them. Okay? Anybody been in one of these churches? Right? right? So they put a big sticker on it. It's a big, a big red heart. Okay? And so, and I guess like we love visitors or something like that. And that would be bad enough as everybody kind of looks around, you're a visitor, you're a visitor, whatever. All right? But but what was worse is when the priest, when the priest came up on, and, uh, on the stage, he went out there and uh, bless his heart, he looked out and he went, hey, we're really glad you're here. If you have a heart on, stand up. <laughs> and then to make it worse, he, had a ro- he said, no, I have a little heart on under my robe. I'd love to meet you later. And, <laughs> and they fired him. All right, so if you're a visitor here today, Stay where you are, okay? And uh, we're really glad you're here. It's so funny. He says, I, I'm not getting told. My wife's going to yell at me when I get home for telling that, but I, I don't care. Anyway, but I had six little junior high girls come up to me last night going, we don't get it. Can you explain it to us? And I'm like, no. And their high school brother was behind him like, and I said, he will. In the, and he, he's like, in the car. Get in the car, girls. All right, so... Um, but uh, hey, we're really glad you're here. Last week was Easter. And this is where we landed last week, if you were here, um, is that Easter uh, changes everything because Easter is the most important thing to believe about Jesus of all the stuff there is to believe a- about Jesus. It changes everything. See, Easter is not just about Jesus died on a cross for your sins. Easter is about three days later, he rose from the dead. All right? That's kind of proof that you can have confidence that Jesus is who he says he is and will do everything he promised to do. That's what Easter's about. And it all goes away if Easter didn't happen. All the Jesus stuff goes away. But because of Easter, we can believe and have confidence Jesus is who he says he is and will do everything he's promised to do, keep every promise to us. And that, by definition, is what we call faith. As a matter of fact, even if you can buy up to, it in, to a certain level that Jesus died on a cross for my sins, really the only reason to believe that is because Jesus rose from the dead. See, the only reason to believe that Jesus is more than a martyr or he really showed he loved me by being killed for me or he, he was a great teacher who believed for his, in his philosophy and a, and a good cause. No, 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 that's not enough. The only reason to believe that Jesus' death accomplished anything for you, taking your sins away and reconnecting you back to God, is, is, comes down to one thing, is that three days after he laid down his own life on a cross, he took up his own life so that, or the way he said it was, so you can know I really am who I said I was. For the last several years, I've walked around saying, I'm, I'm, I'm the son of God. I'm God with flesh on. I can do this. I can do this. I can do this. You shouldn't believe any of this unless I back it up. And then three days after he was, was, was crucified, he rose from the dead. I told you so. I am the son of God, and I will keep every promise I've ever made to you. So we looked at the promises last week that, that God has made to us through Jesus. And there, is, there are no promises in the Bible that say this. If you have faith, cancer will stay away. No, it's not in there. If you have faith, your husband will always keep his promises. If you have faith, cars will always stay on the correct side of the road. If you have faith, you know, you always have plenty of money. There are no promises like that in the Bible, all right? The promises that God makes us through Jesus is this. If you'll lean your life against my son Jesus, no matter what you've done, I'll forgive it. 
what you've done in the past, what you might do next Thursday, I'm telling you, I will forgive it. If you lean your life against my son Jesus, that's called grace. And the other thing is that no matter what happens in your life, no matter what circumstance, whether your fault or somebody else's fault, you fall in a hole or you jump in a hole, whatever that is, whether you understand your life or ha- are totally c- confused by it, the promise from God is that you can come to him because of Jesus. You can come to him and he will give you more than enough grace and mercy and strength no matter what you're going through. He promises. And the only reason you should believe that promise is because he backed it up. He didn't just write a letter to you and go, just take my word for it. No, he backed it up by rising from the dead. And that's why Jesus says this. If you, will, if you try to lean your life against anything or anyone other than me, it's a matter of time till it falls apart. And that's some of our stories, isn't it? I thought that if I loved him enough, he would stay with me. And I prop my life against my career. I, I, I lean my whole life against my kids. Or I lean my whole life against this. And then they left or they lied or they divorced me or they died, whatever. And, they, and my life fell apart. You leaned your life against the wrong person. Not, I'm not saying they're a bad person. Or it was even a bad thing. They couldn't hold you together because they were never meant to. Only Jesus can hold us together in our greatest time of need. The resurrection changes everything. What I want to look at today is, okay, that's, that's, that's great, Jim, but what's that look like? What is this changes everything? What would that look like in a person's life? And that's what I want to look at this morning. I want to look at one guy in the Bible, a guy we talk about quite a bit in here. Other than Jesus, we talk about this guy named Peter a, a, a lot. And he was changed by the resurrection of Jesus. He was not changed by the birth of Jesus in Bethlehem. I'm sure he believed that. It didn't change his life. He, he wasn't changed by the teachings of Jesus, although he studied the teachings of Jesus. He, he, he wasn't changed by the miracles of Jesus, although he had a front row seat. And he wasn't changed by hanging out with Jesus for three years, although he did that. As a matter of fact, a little review here is that the first time Peter and Jesus ever met, Peter was a, a professional fisherman. And Jesus got in his boat and had a conversation. And it went kind of like this. Peter, listen, I'm looking at your life. If, if you'll follow me, I'll make you, and he uses the phrase, a fisher of men. In other words, he, he says, Peter, listen, up to this point in your life, and you can fill in your own, your own blank here for about your own life, but up to this point in your life, your life has been about, I get out of bed, I go fishing. If I catch fish, I'm successful. If I don't catch fish, I'm a failure. If I make money today, I'm okay. If I don't make money today, I'm, I, I'm not okay. If I, if I do good things today, I'm pretty sure God loves me. If I, if I make a mistake, I'm pretty sure God hates me. And that is your life. Anybody else's? You get up every day going, oh, well, let's see how I do today, right? And what Peter says, is, or Jesus says to Peter is, I'm not saying your life is bad. I'm just saying that if you follow me and if you trust me, I, I'm telling you, I'll change you. I'll change your life by changing you. And I'll do some things in your life that sitting here in this boat, if I could describe like the next three or four years of your life, you just wouldn't believe me. And I, I believe it's the same with me. And if Jesus came and rang my doorbell and came in and said, could I, have a, could I, could I talk for a minute? I was like, well, first of all, it freaked me out. But if he did come in and he said, let me tell you what your life's gonna look like in five years, I would look back at Jesus and go, I doubt that because I know me, right? And so, so Peter says, oh, all right, if you can change me, I, I, I'm in. And you gotta think, after, really, after being in what I would call the best small group Bible study ever, all right, and then that, I mean, I don't know what yours is like. That one is probably better. Taught by a really great teacher, Jesus, you know, right, right? Who did some amazing stuff. Come on, let's go take a walk on the water. You know, I, I mean, if he, did some, he did some crazy, crazy stuff. You'd think that hanging out with Jesus for three years would change your life, wouldn't it? 
I mean, again, I don't know what kind of small group or Bible study or what your friendship group is like, but imagine next week and you come in here in the lobby and your little group of friends is all out there together and someone says, well, what did you guys do this week? And like, oh, our group, we're so tight. We went up skiing or we went hiking in the mountains and then Bob, our leader, gave this great devotion about how God's like the sun and we're like spring flowers coming to life. And it was just, thanks, Bob, that was so meaningful. And Bob's like, oh, thanks, I just made it up. You know, whatever, all right? And then Peter walks up to your group and you're like, hey, Peter, what happened in your group this week? Well... Um, we were out on this lake and then the storm hit and then Jesus stood up and told the storm to go away and it did. That's how the day started. And then, uh, then we got to the beach and there was this lady whose legs didn't work so Jesus fixed her and then there was this naked guy who had demons in him and Jesus said, go out and the demons left and then he told us how he created the universe. I'm a little foggy on that one but that was my week. <laughs> I'm pretty sure you'd look over at Bob and go, you suck as a leader, right? I mean, <laughs> we're with Jesus, all right? I mean, that's just, that's just true. I mean, how awesome would it be to hang out with Jesus for three weeks? And that's what Peter did. And nothing changed. Nothing changed in his life by hanging out with Jesus, all right? When, when, the, when, when Jesus really needed him to show up and, and be, a, be a good guy, when the circumstances got really hard and scary, really confusing, you know what Peter did? Exactly what he always did. Peter did exactly the same things he did before Jesus ever, ever talked to him in that boat. He went back to the same old habits and reactions and behaviors that he used to make before he met Jesus. Nothing changed. Make mistakes, throw in the towel, run away from my problems. See, Jesus, this is who I am. And again, I, I guess you're supposed to love all the people in the Bible, but there's some people I love more, and Peter's like at the top of the list because I can relate to him. Can't you? I mean, I look at Peter's life and, and I see myself in the same scenario. I mean, how many times have you, don't raise your hand, all right? How many times have you have looked at your husband, your wife, your kids, your parents, your whatever, and went, okay, I'm really sorry for that, but from now on, I promise I'll do better. Don't look at each other, but you're like, <laughs> right? I mean, I'm really gonna change. I'm gonna work hard. I'll be, I'll be a better husband. I'll be a better boyfriend. I'll be whatever. I'll try to be different. I'll act. And, and you, you work hard. You work really, really, really hard and concentrate. And every day you think about every step that you take. And it works for a few minutes, right? Or a few hours or a few days. You string some good moments together in your life. But inevitably, it always happens. You get hit by an unguarded moment and it falls apart, right? Am I the only one? I mean, it's just, it's just the, way it, it, the way it is. And you do the same old things and you look in the mirror going, see, you're the same guy, Right? I mean, again, don't raise your hand on that, but isn't it true, looking back over your life, like given your track record of successes and failures, that a lot of times you'll come into rooms like this and you'll get all fired up about the Jesus stuff, whatever, but before you get to the car, a voice in your head is kind of like, I'll try, but it's not gonna work this time either, right? I mean, I'll try to be a better husband. I'll try to take care of her and I'll try not to lose my temper and I'll try not to get drunk and I'll try not to do this anymore. But you know in the back of your mind, it is a matter of time because I know me. I mean, sometimes I just get out of bed in the morning, look in the mirror and go, I wonder if you're going to do it today. Because I know I'm about five minutes at any moment away from screwing up my life. If the wind blows the wrong way, I just know me pretty well. And then when I screw up my life, I usually screw up a whole bunch of other people's lives. Anybody else? That, that's why we chose that Lady Annabellum song. Beautiful song. Horrible message. But it could be our theme song, isn't it? I, I mean, really. I mean, if you look back, how many moments in your life can you look back? Yeah, one o'clock in the morning, that's when I screwed up. Right, I mean, you promise I'll never do that again. I'll never call him again. I broke up with him. I'm not going back to him. I'm not gonna do this. I'm not gonna do that. I'm never gonna do that again. And then, you know, you got lonely in the middle of the night or you had too many drinks at the bar, whatever it is, and then you did it again and you woke up or sobered up and looked over who's laying in bed next to you and all of a sudden you go, oh no, I have done it again. I've done it again. And I promised her or him or whatever that last time was gonna be the last time and I can't change. That's me. 
And that's Peter. See, trying to follow Jesus and study Jesus and go into rooms full of religious people that, you know, to memorize stuff about Jesus, it doesn't change anybody. It just doesn't. And Peter didn't change yet. It wasn't until after Jesus died on a cross and then rose from the dead that Peter experienced any real lasting change and started becoming that man that Jesus saw in him back there three years ago in a boat. When he was still, you know, smelled like fish guts and was covered in lake slime, Jesus was able to look through that and go, I know this is what all you think you are, but I know who you could be. And if you follow me, I'll make a difference in your life. And here's the takeaway today, in case you have to leave early or, or something like that, is that what we're going to look at today, the this that can change anything, and the this that changed Peter's life and could change us, is simply this. Today, Jesus is going to deliver on a promise that he made over and over and over to Peter and some other people. He's going to deliver on that promise. A promise that a guy named Paul, later in the Bible, he writes about it. Here's the promise. Hey, hey, hey Peter, and everybody in the room, here's, here's your chance. Christ in you, that's your hope of glory. The way I would say that in Jim's version would be this. Jesus in me, that's my only shot. Right? Not studying Jesus and following Jesus and singing songs about Jesus. No, Jesus in me, that's my only shot of ever being this person that God created me to be. So we're going to look at this guy named Peter, how and what happened for him and in him. And then we're going to land this, what could that happen for us, all right? So we're going to look at several stories. They're all strung together in a book of the Bible called the book of Acts, okay? Now, sometimes we cover a verse and just tear that verse apart. Sometimes we cover three or four verses. We're going to cover three whole chapters today. I'm going to read through three chapters, which you're going, oh, great, Bible reading, that's great. All right, so that's why you got out of bed, right? But, but if you look at your program, there's only three or four verses in there because we're going to read a whole bunch of Bible verses, all right? So this may be the week that you just fold up your program and lay it down, fold up your Bible and put it up under your chair and just kind of lean back and just listen to the story. And then if you think of something, oh, I want to write that down, then you can grab your paper or something like that. But we're going to look at the book of Acts. If you have your Bible with you, Acts chapter two, there are free Bibles in the back if you want to kind of follow along in that. But let me kind of set this up. Acts stands for um, actions. The very first actions of the very first Christians ever. That's what the whole book of Acts is about. Okay, so let me pick this up. It's, it's about seven weeks. It's a Sunday morning where we're going to pick up. About seven weeks after the very first Easter. And it's about one week, all right, after Jesus has gone back to heaven, all right? Jesus had all of his followers. I don't know how many, 11 or 12 left, all right? Out on a hill outside Jerusalem. He gives them some last minute instructions. He says, now listen, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go down the hill, go back into Jerusalem, that city where they just executed me. I want you to go down there and wait because wait for, I'm going to send my spirit to you. And they had no idea what he's talking about, all right? And then he left and ascended up into heaven through the clouds, and he left and has been gone 2,000 years and counting. And these guys are standing on top of a mountain having what I would call an oh crap moment. And here's what I mean. Have you ever like, I knew this was coming, I knew this was coming, and then the door slammed or they drove off or whatever, or Jesus left or whatever, and you're standing there going, oh crap, right? What, what, what do we do now? All right, so they, I think I wasn't there, so I'm kind of making this part up, but I wonder if they looked at each other like, he said he's in his spirit. You feel anything? I feel nothing. <laughs> Anybody feel different? I feel nothing. I don't even have a goosebump. I'm just scared, all right? So, so here's what they did. They walked down the hill. They walked into Jerusalem. They went upstairs into that room where they had communion about seven weeks ago. They pulled the blinds down and they prayed. They voted a new guy in to replace Judas because he committed suicide. And then they, 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 they just waited. Every once in a while, they would go over to, to the temple, all right? 
And, 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 and the, 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 the guy named Luke, he writes, he says, they had joy and they were rejoicing. But I, I have to think uh, that it was a little, a little reserved, right? I mean, they just killed our leader. So if they're going to go over to the temple, something like that, I, I think they just sat in the corner. Don't mind us. I don't, yeah. You know, well, should we sing? Do anybody feel anything? I don't feel anything. Should we sing a song? Yeah, sing a song. Fine. Jesus is alive. Don't sing that one. All right. Uh, <laughs> Right? I mean, it's like, just shut up. And you feel anything? No, 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 no. So it's Sunday morning, seven weeks after Easter. You got 12 guys over in the corner of the temple like, just don't recognize us. All right? Acts chapter 2, verse 1. Here we go. When the day of Pentecost came, now this is a Jewish holiday. It's still on the Jewish calendar today. It's, a, it's, the, it's 50 days after Passover. Okay? So it's still a Jewish uh, uh, holiday. And it's one of those holidays where if you lived within like driving distance of Jerusalem, you had to come to the temple that day. Okay? Big Jewish holiday. So the city's pretty packed out. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place in the temple. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house, the whole building where they were sitting. Now, this would get my attention, all right? It's like, brr, right? Verse three. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them, which would be awesome and weird. There's heads on fire. Look. All right. So anyway, so I, would, I would just like, people start paying attention to this. All of them, look at this, were filled with uh, what? Holy Spirit. And who promised he'd send his Holy Spirit? Jesus. And Jesus keeps his promise. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now, real quick, the Holy Spirit thing. This is up there on that hill before Jesus left and went back to heaven. That wasn't the first time he'd mentioned the Holy Spirit. As a matter of fact, over the last three years as Jesus was walking around and fishing with these guys, stuff like that, he, said, he, he made it really, really clear. A day is coming when physically I'm gonna leave you and I'm gonna go back. I, I'm physically, but don't worry because they all like, what? And then he's like, no, no, don't worry because if I leave, I'm gonna send my spirit and he's gonna live in you and you're gonna be fine. So I'm gonna leave physically, but spiritually, I'll be with you. To which if I was those, 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 those guys, I would have looked at them and said, that's a horrible idea, right? Anytime Jesus said stuff that they didn't like, they argued with him. Please don't leave, bad idea. We don't want you to leave. I agree. Don't you think, really, think this through. Don't you think you would screw up your life a lot less if Jesus hung out with you all day, right? It's like, hello, Lord, what do you wanna do? Pray, right, well, yeah, I mean... I don't know. I was like, I, I, I mean, there's parts of my life that Jesus was with me. I would have done stuff different. How about you? All right? Like my dating life. You know what I mean? All right? Can you imagine, guys, let's talk to you for a minute. You go back to high school or college or whatever, and you're like cruising, and you're like, hey, baby, what do you want to do? You want to go to my party? Blah, 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 all right? And she's like, no, I do not. All right? So, so why not? And she's like, Jesus is in the back seat. You know? It's like, and he's back there like, hi, kids. You know, right? And you're like, oh, let's go bowling, Jesus. Right, right, right. I would have done, I was dated different, you know, or, or, or internet stuff, you know. I mean, have you ever like Googled something and weird crap comes up? You didn't mean for it? I, like I Googled honey baked ham the other day. It's Easter, right? right, right? Girls with honey, and it's just crazy, you know. I'm like, and if Jesus was there, I would have looked at him, I don't want to look at that either, Lord. It's, a ba- it's bad. Thank, I'm glad you were here, right, right? Let's pray. But no, so, so I would have argued, I want Jesus. My life would be better, I think, if Jesus just lived in my house and went to work with me and, and hung out with me. I would just do less stupid stuff, I think. And Jesus looked at these guys, I know it feels like that, that if I physically was with you, it'd be better. But I'm telling you, and I know it is actually better if I leave and give you my spirit. And sometimes he called his spirit the Holy Spirit. Sometimes he called it my spirit. He called it the spirit of God, the spirit of life. He called it a counselor, but he promised. When my spirit comes, and he never called it an it, he called it a he. 
When my spirit comes, he will move in you and he will, he will guide you and he will, he will teach you things and he will give you power to do some stuff that if I told you right now, you just wouldn't believe it. But you gotta trust me, I promise I'll do it. And there's a lot of different teachings and viewpoints on what happened that day. But nobody, no matter what church you go to, no, no, nobody can argue with this, is on that day, Jesus kept his promise. I told you I would send my, send my spirit to you, right? He kept his promise to send his spirit to live in them. And nobody can disagree with this either. From that point on, they were able to do things that before Jesus' spirit moved into them, they just couldn't do. Five minutes ago, we couldn't do this. Jesus moved into my life, I'm changing. And in this case, the one thing they were able to do was speak in such a way, and I don't know how this works, that they were able to speak in different languages or people were able to hear in different languages. I don't care, it's, it's pretty awesome. Very, 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 very cool. And, and he said, well, can you explain that? No, no, I, it's a miracle. It's not normal, all right? God did something and they were able to do something that normally they couldn't do. But to me, and this is just me, the greater miracle is not that they were able to speak in different languages or tongues, which would be cool. I've never done it, but I guess it, could, it happens, all right? But the, the, the best thing to me is that it's Peter who stands up. Peter, remember last time we saw Peter, he was running for the hills because a little girl yelled at him. Remember that? And he's just different. And he stands up and look at what he says. Acts chapter two, verse 22. He says this, all right? Men of Israel, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did among you through him as you yourselves know. What do you mean? What time out? What do you mean they know? They were there, right? They're, they're actually having this conversation in the room where it happened, it's not like us. Okay, listen, everybody. 2,000 years ago, I read this in a book. 2,000 years ago, back in a city on the other side, of the, no, 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 we're not talking about that. We're not talking about, my grandma taught me this when I was a kid. No, no, no. We're talking about, about seven weeks ago, um, right over there in that part of the room, Remember Jesus sat over there and he told us some stuff like that and then you guys kicked him out. Now the heads are starting to go like that. And you kicked him out and he went outside and there was that, that guy who couldn't see and then he healed him. Uh-huh. And so right through that window, right? I said window, window, not the window. All right, I'm from the South. Oh, whatever, okay. So anyway, so man, they looked through a window right over there to see that hill there with the crosses on top of it with those other Jewish guys on it. Well, about seven weeks ago, Jesus was nailed to that cross. Remember that, right? And that cemetery down there, you stuck in, remember that? Yeah, and the, the response is, oh yeah, we, we remember him. Yeah, he came up shooting off his mouth and stuff like that. We got rid of him. Well, not so sure. Look at verse 23. This man was handed over to you by God's set purpose and foreknowledge. So God knew, knew all this was gonna happen before Jesus even came. And you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death. Now just start counting how many times he says that, all right? You, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. But God, what? Come on, kids. God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death because it's impossible for death to keep its hold on him. And then Peter quotes, everybody in the room's Jewish. So he quotes a very famous Jewish king and prophet named David who wrote way back in the book of Psalms, hundreds of years before Jesus was born, that one day God would send his Holy One, his Messiah, his Christ, his son, and he would connect us back to God, take our sins away. In the process, he would be killed, but God would not let his Holy One stay and rot in a hole in the grave. He'd bring him back to life. Now skip down to verse 29. Brothers, I can tell you confidently that the patriarch David died and was buried and his tomb is here to this day. He probably could have said, go out of the temple, go down three blocks, turn right, it's right there. If you roll that stone away, it's full of bones, all right? So David died and was buried, his tomb is here to this day. 
But he was a prophet and knew that God had promised him on oath that he would place one of his descendants on his throne. And he's referring to a covenant that he made with David. One day, one of your great, 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 great 16 of them, grandchildren will be like the one. Verse 31, seeing what was ahead, he, David, spoke of the resurrection of the Christ hundreds of years before it happened, that he was not, the Christ was not abandoned to the grave, nor did his body see decay. God has raised this Jesus to life and we are all what? Witnesses. Now that's an underliner. We're witnesses. We didn't hear about it. We saw it. We didn't read about it in a paper. We didn't, you know, we were traveling around and somebody was sitting around the campfire and go, what's going on? Oh, no, no. We saw it. We saw him, we're witnesses of the fact. Exalted to the right hand of God, he, Jesus, has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit and has poured out in us or on us what you now see and hear. Therefore, let all Israel, and everybody in there is Jewish, so we're talking to you, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, in case you forgot, both Lord and Christ. Now here's the response. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, brothers, what should we do? And I understand that. They hear what Peter's just said and they kind of have their kind of their oh crap moment which goes like this. Oh no, what have we done? You ever had that moment in your life? Oh no, oh no, oh no, 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 no. And your first question is, what am I gonna do? 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 Okay, because I know she's gonna be mad at me and they're gonna do this and they're gonna divorce me, blah, 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 blah. But when it comes to God, we're sitting there going, what am I gonna do? Because I'm sure he hates me. He's gonna burn me in hell. I mean, I'm just telling you, what am I gonna do? So he looks back at Peter and goes, hey, listen, Peter, listen, we didn't know. We're sorry. We had no idea. What, is it too late for us? Isn't that what you always ask God all the time? Oh, I bet that was the last one. I bet, you know, I ran out of grace that time. I mean, that was the last one. God's in heaven going, no, I'm counting them down. You're out, right? So what, what? Peter, what what do we need to do? And then what is God gonna do to us? Here's what Peter says. Look at verse 38. Peter replied, repent, change your mind, change direction. And be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ. He doesn't tell them to knock it off. He doesn't tell them to get off that and go to a meeting. He doesn't tell them, he does, he doesn't tell them to, to, to stop doing that and do better things and go feed the poor. He doesn't tell them to do any of that. He says, you've got to be, you have to repent, turn your life back towards Jesus and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for, your forgive, for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. In other words, listen, I'm gonna tell you the same thing Jesus told us. It's not about being a good person or a bad person. It's about this. You've got to put your faith and lean your life against Jesus Christ, that he is who he says he is and will keep his promises. And if you will do that, Jesus promises he'll forgive all of your sins and mistakes, past and present and future, and he will move in you. And he, from the inside out, he'll give you grace and mercy in your time of need. And he'll change you from the inside out like he's changing me. Peter's standing in front of him going, exhibit A, I'm a different man. He's changed me. Verse 41, Those who accepted his message were baptized and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. 12 guys went to 3,000 men and their families. In two weeks, we're gonna have a big baptism celebration. It's gonna be, it's a a party. It's just great here. It doesn't compare to that one. The very first church service ever, 3,000 men and their families got baptized. It was a big church. So, well, I don't know if I like a big church. Well, you're gonna hate heaven, all right? Because it's just gonna be a lot of us there, all right? So, So here it is. I just made that up. I didn't say that the other ones. That's pretty good. All right. So anyway, all right. So it's going to be loud too. So there you go. But anyway, all right. So, so the very, very first church ever, 3,000 people got baptized in the first service. Based on what? Based on Easter. Based on the resurrection. Peter stood up and go, we were there. We saw it. We touched him. 
It proved to us anyway that the man Jesus that you killed seven weeks ago right over there on that hill and stuck in that tomb right over there in that cemetery that he really was and is the son of God. And it's not only alive right now, but because he's alive, he can deliver on every promise he made to us before he was crucified, including he'll forgive all of our sins and he'll come and live in us. We'll just lean our lives against him. Peter's life starts changing. And, and he's just getting warmed up, all right? It gets better in the next chapter. Look at this, Acts chapter three, verse one. We're gonna read almost the whole chapter. Look at this. One day, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer about three in the afternoon. So we got two of the, two of the disciples that were with Jesus. They're, going to, they're, still, they're still Jewish, so they're going to the temple to pray, three in the afternoon. Now, a man crippled from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful. So there's all these gates. They've excavated. They found them right over there. Right? And they're, they're, one of those gates was called the Beautiful Gate, where he, the, the crippled man, he was put every day to beg from the those going into the temple courts. That's a good place to beg. Going to church, can I have some money, right? Right, you're into God, so help me, all right? Verse three, when he saw Peter and John, this is the cripple man, when he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. Then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave him his attention, expecting to get something from them. Oh, you're gonna give me some money. Then Peter said, silver and gold I do not have, but what I have I give you. I mean, we're broke. So I bet the guy's going, what, are you going to give me advice? <laughs> well, thanks. All right, it's not helpful. All right, so silver and gold I do not have, but what I have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, very specific, walk. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. When all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful, and they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. I would too. Wouldn't you? We find out later the guy had sat there for 40 years. We saw him, right? He's, you know... Joe, I don't know. He's, he said there all the time, we always give him some money when we come, when we come, to, when we come to temple, right? Verse, verse 11, while the beggar held on to Peter and John, which is just a funny sign. He was like, he's like, I'm with them. They healed me. All right, so he's going into the, to the temple. While the beggar held on to Peter and John, all the people were astonished and came running to them in the place called Solomon's Columnade, which is this big porch area in this huge building uh, of, the, of the temple. When Peter saw this, he said to them, this big crowd gathering, men of Israel, why does this surprise you? Why do you stare at us, at John and me, as if by our own power, godliness, we made this man walk? Now, time out. Peter's about, he's getting fired up. He's about to preach his second sermon, his, his second public speech ever. And guess what he's not going to teach about? He's not going to go, okay, everybody sit down. I'd like to tell you about, about 33 years ago in Bethlehem, there was this virgin named Mary. No, he believes that. He's not going to teach about that. He's not going to say, everybody sit down, because Jesus told me, I, I want to pass this on to you, how to have a better marriage. Here's how to view its sexuality. Uh, here's how to spend, spend your money. Here's how to get off drugs. Although I'm sure Jesus taught them all of that stuff. That's not what he's gonna talk about. He's not gonna talk about, and I would do this if I was Peter. Anytime I had a crowd, I would do this. Like one time I walked on water. Okay, that not have anything to do with anything. I just need to tell you that. So move on, right? Because that's awesome, all right? I would work that in. He's not gonna do that. He's gonna teach about something really dangerous, something that can get you killed, at least in this time. Look at verse 13. So he's talking to all Jewish men at this point. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, so that's the founders of the Jewish faith, the God of our fathers, has glorified his servant, Jesus. You handed him over to be killed. This is not going well. You gotta think that they're going, ah, I hate it when he says that. 
You handed him, Jesus, over to be killed, and you disowned him before Pilate, the governor, though he had decided to let him go. Remember that story? I find no fault with this man. Let him go. You disowned the holy and righteous one and asked that a murderer be released to you. So Pilate, to save his own skin, goes, uh, okay, I don't want to commit political suicide. Bring Barabbas out here, the murderer. You guys choose. They're like, Barabbas, Barabbas, that he killed one of you. I don't care, Barabbas, Barabbas. What about Jesus? Crucify him, crucify him, crucify him. All right, you, you, you did that. Verse 15, you killed the author of life. Not good, all right? You killed the author of life. You did that, but God raised him from the dead. We are what? We're witnesses of this. By faith, you, you ask how, how this all happened, right? Look, by faith in the name of Jesus, this man whom you see and know, you know him, was made strong. It is Jesus' name and the faith that comes through Jesus that has given this complete healing to him as you can all see. Now, he's gonna let him off the hook a little bit, kind of his me too moment. Now, brothers, I know you acted in ignorance. You didn't know, as did your leaders. But this is how God fulfilled what he had foretold through all the prophets, saying that his Christ, the one he would send that would connect us back to God, would suffer. So repent. Go a new direction with your life then and turn to God so that, and here's the two promises, that your sins may be wiped out and that times of refreshing may come from the Lord and that he may send the Christ who has been appointed for you, you who killed, killed him. We're talking about Jesus here. See, of all the things that Peter could have stood up and talked about, Almost every time he stands up, he talks about the resurrection as proof that Jesus is who he said he was and can do all that he promised to do. And you know what the response was this time? Two, two responses. First of all, a whole bunch of people said, we're in, we want to be a part of that too. We want to lean our lives against Jesus. And about 2,000 more people got baptized. So the total number grew to about 5,000. The second thing that happened was that the cops showed up and Peter and John got hauled off to jail. You can't talk about that. We, we, we put that to rest seven weeks ago. You're not going to mess it up now. We got rid of Jesus. And then the next morning, they're brought and made to stand, get this, in the same courtroom, in the same spot that just a few weeks ago, Jesus stood in. In the same spot they'd beaten Jesus. Right? I bet as Peter and John are looking down, there's probably blood on the floor. I can't prove that, but it's the same spot. And they're standing in front of the same jury, the same group of men who had planned this thing out and carried out a plot to execute and get rid of Jesus. Acts chapter four, verse five. The next day, the rulers, elders, and teachers of the law met in Jerusalem. Annas, that's the worst name ever, isn't it? I'm stuck in junior high. I can't help it. He had a rough time in school. I just know that, all right? Some of you don't even get it. My name's Annas, not A. Not, all right, there you go. All right, so... Anyway, sorry. I'm not sorry. I said it all four services. There we go. So, <laughs> Annas, the high priest, was there. <laughs> I just have fun sometimes. I don't care if you do. But um, the high priest was there. And so were Caiaphas, John, and that's not John that we like. It's another John. Uh, Alexander and the other men of the high priest's family. They had Peter and John brought before them and began to question them. By what power, what name did you do this? Did you heal this guy? Then Peter, here we go, filled with the Holy Spirit that Jesus had promised him he'd be filled with, said to them, rulers and elders of the people, if, if we're being called to account today for an act of kindness shown to a cripple and are asked how he was healed, then know this, you and all the people of Israel. You don't want to hear this, but I'm about to tell you exactly how this happened, right? It is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, and again, those the guys are standing up, they're going, uh, don't talk about him. It gets worse. Whom you crucified, and at this point, I think he's pointing at Caiaphas, like, no, I've been talking about them. It's actually you. 
You, you did this, Caiaphas, right? Whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. He, Jesus, is the stone you builders rejected, which has become the capstone or the cornerstone. I mean, this is it. God's trying to build something new here, and you threw the brick out. And God's gonna build it. He's gonna use Jesus as the cornerstone for the whole future. See, salvation is found in no one else. It's not found by going into a temple. It's not found by sacrificing things on an altar. It's not found by doing this and, you know, doing the hokey pokey and doing this 12 times. It has nothing to do with connecting you back to God. Salvation is found in no other person, no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. When they, this is the jury up there, when they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized they were unschooled, they didn't go to seminary and study this, ordinary men, they were astonished. And they took note, these men have been with Jesus. But since they could see the man who had been healed standing there with them, there was nothing they could say. What are you going to argue? You did not heal him. Uh-huh, uh-uh, uh-huh, uh-huh. All I have to do is go, ta-da. And the guy's like, ha-ha, I can do this, all right? We find out later he'd been sitting there for 40 years, so it's kind of a big deal. Verse 15, so we can't argue. So, so they ordered them to withdraw from the Sanhedrin, so they kicked him out of the courtroom, and they conferred together. And this is great. This just really shows their cards. What are we going to do with these men? They ask. Everybody living in Jerusalem knows they've done an outstanding miracle, and we can't deny it. There it is. They did it. What are we going to do? But, I love this part, to stop this thing from spreading, and that's the goal. We can't let this Jesus cult get out of this room. We can't let this, you know, get out of, out of Jerusalem, let alone out of the first century and into Colorado. We just can't do that. So to stop this thing from spreading any further among the people, we must warn these men to speak no longer to anyone in this name. In other words, we're going to bring you back in and go, you can talk about God, you can talk about spirituality, you can talk about the force, you can talk about the light that goes around everywhere. You can talk about anything you want. Don't mention Jesus. Does that sound familiar? How about welcome to Colorado? You can go into any place, in, 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 right? You can go anywhere and you can talk about, well, I'm spiritual or I, I love God or I just believe there's an energy and all that kind of stuff. Nobody has a problem with it. You say Jesus, there's going to be a meeting. Right? You can talk about your, your beliefs or I just believe or whatever at work. You talk about Jesus in your cubicle at work, you're going to get called in. Right? You, you watch any award show on TV, and I'm not going to go off on this very long, just a minute, all right? Uh, is that some, some rock star, movie star comes up there and they say the same thing almost every time. I just want to thank God for all this. All right. Then no problem. Somebody walks up and goes, I want to give credit to Jesus Christ. They're going to break to a commercial. Right? Because Jesus is the most divisive thing in our world. It's like, you know why? Because he changes everything. Because he didn't just die, he actually came back to life. And the question is, what are we going to do with him? And here's their conflict. Everybody in town knows this thing just happened. We know it just happened. I mean, everybody has seen this crippled guy out there for the last 40 years. Every day they come to temple. So what are we going to do? How can we make them shut up about what everybody, including us, knows happened? And I have the answer. They should have called me. I know how this whole Jesus thing just goes away. You know what? Produce a body and we're done. Right? I mean, those guys could have sat up there very condescendingly. Go on. Right? Oh, rose from the dead. Oh, walked on water. Very, 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 very cool. Time out. Bring in the body. And they bring in this seven-week-old corpse and just throw it on the floor going, ta-da. For the record, he's not who he said he was. And he can't keep any promise to you. And here's why. He's dead. Now shut up. Let's move on. 
right? But they couldn't. All you have to do is produce a body and the whole thing goes away. You don't have to bring Mary in and make her confess, I really wasn't a virgin, Bethlehem didn't happen. No, you don't have to bring in experts and go, that teaching that Jesus said, it doesn't work. And I'll show you here on a graph, blah, blah, blah. No, no, no. You don't have to bring in somebody and say, I faked, I faked a miracle. No, and I mean, how do you fake some of these miracles? I mean, this guy by the temple gate, come on. He sat there for 40 years. So, so, so 40 years ago, we had a meeting, okay? Hey, Joe, you sit there for 40 years and that crippled. And then if Jesus ever shows up, we got him. No, you don't have to go to all that trouble. All you have to do is just get the body, which they, there were rumors that he might come back to life. I mean, everybody's talking about, it. they say he'll come back to life. So they put a whole bunch of Roman soldiers in front of it so that none of this got off the ground. All you have to do is produce a body and it all goes away, but they couldn't. So what's plan B? Verse 18. Then they called them in again and commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. You can talk about anything you want, just leave him out. But Peter and John replied, judge for yourself whether it's right in God's sight to obey you rather than God. For we cannot help speaking about what we have. What? We saw him. He talked to us. We saw him. We heard him. We touched him. We can't help it. Beat us up, put us in prison, crucify us, whatever. We saw what we saw. Verse 21, after further threats, they let him go. They could not decide how to punish them because all the people were praising God for what had happened for the man who was miraculously healed was over 40 years old. And again, this is amazing. And if you're that guy by the gate, he said, it's a wonderful, wonderful, amazing day. But what's most amazing to me is who it is who's saying this. It's Peter. Least likely to succeed. That's his yearbook, Right? The guy from the boat three years ago whose life was going nowhere and Jesus gets in a boat and goes, Peter, I'm just telling you, someday, if you'll let me, I'll change your life by changing you. Peter, who just a few months ago, he walked on water for a little while, remember this story? And then started sinking because he got afraid and Jesus picks him up and whispers in his ear, you almost had it. You almost understood what it meant to follow me and trust me with your life. But, but a day is coming, Peter, when you're gonna be able to do stuff like this with no problem. Peter, who three years, after three years of following Jesus, studying Jesus, hanging out with Jesus, right? When a little girl put her finger in his chest, denied Jesus three times. Jesus, whose resume looks a lot like mine. It's a lot of good tries and I failed and I've broken a lot of promises. Anybody else? The same, the same Peter, now filled with the spirit of Jesus, is standing up in the same city, in the same room, where they, just a few weeks ago, they sentenced his leader to death in the shadow of the hill where they actually put nails in his leader and killed him right next to the cemetery where they stuck his body. And if Peter doesn't shut up, they have the power to do the same thing to him. But he doesn't shut up. Somehow Peter's like a new man and is able to do and be what the old man, the old former man, the man who had always tried really, really, really hard to be good but could never do. Now, how is that possible? And here, here's, here's the answer. Because Jesus kept his promise. I told you, I'm gonna make you into something that you currently could never be unless I was actually in you. And now you are, you're that man. See, I got this question and emailed to me a couple times this week. So, so how do we know the resurrection actually happened? It's based on the, the, the eyewitness of a, of a couple people. I mean, they could have made this whole thing up. Well, think about that. Think, think about it. And if you want more on that, you know, get online, look at our Bible 101 uh, class that's online. But just, just to say, with, say with, with, with this guy named Peter, right? Peter didn't get rich off this. 
You know, he didn't get rich off, hey, Jesus rose from the dead. You know, he didn't write a book and go on a book tour or something like that. He wasn't making the, to- the, the, the talk shows or something like that. As a matter of fact, every time Peter stood up and talked about Jesus, but especially talked about the resurrection, somebody hit him in the head with a rock, <laughs> you know, whipped him, beat him, ran him out of town, and eventually they crucified him upside down. And all Peter would have had to do to make this all go away is say what he always used to say, I didn't mean it. All he had to do is like fold up, quit, and run for the hills like he always used to do and say, I I, I changed my mind, just don't hurt me. But this is a different man. And my point is this, all right? The same promise that Jesus kept to Peter that changed Peter's life 2,000 years ago is made to everybody in this room today. Jesus looks at you and goes, listen, I died for your sins and then I rose from the dead and I am waiting for you to ask me to come and move into your life and I'll do it. See, we've been talking about faith, all right? Faith is not just about believing that after you die, your sins are forgiven and you don't go to hell. Although I believe that and that's a good thing. Don't wanna take anything away from that, yay, all right? So I like that part. And faith has got to be about more than when I go through hard times, Jesus helps me feel better in the really bad, sad times of my life. Although he does that and I don't think I could live another day if he ever stopped doing that. So I like that part too. But having faith has to be about more than that. It has to be about getting out of bed every day and knowing in spite of everything, having confidence that Jesus lives in me. And from the inside out, no matter if the outside ever changes out there, inside me, he's changing me. He's doing things in me and leading me and working in me and giving me strength and ability to do that on my own, I could never do. I could never be that man. But with Jesus Christ in me, I'm something different and I'm gonna be something better. Now, I I have a few questions. We're out of here, right? What is it, and you don't have to think about this, pray about this. When I get to this point, you're gonna go, oh, I know what it is for me. Whether you believe in God or not, it's just, it's just true. What is it in your life that every time it hits your life, it beats you? Every time. You got it? I do. What, what, what is it? When this happens, every time that happens over there, this always happens. Or every time she does this or he does that, whatever, then it all falls apart. Or, or I'm not just talking to guys, but kind of mostly I am. Every time that thought gets in your head, you know what I'm talking about, and it starts spinning and you can't think about anything else other than that. It's like, oh, you know, and you, just, you just have to run down that road because the thought always wins. And it leads to something else. Every time that opportunity presents itself or that trigger fires or that memory comes back, that temptation is in front of you. Every time that weak spot in my life always beats me. It always defeats me. What's the voice in your head that says you will never be that man. You'll never do anything and be anything other than the sum total of all your failures and good tries and and mistakes. That's who you are. Don't even think about being a better man or better woman. It is impossible for someone like you. Ever hear that voice? Who and what is that for you? And here's my what ifs. I got a whole bunch of what ifs. What if that voice is true? What if, what if your future is nothing more than a lot more of your past? A whole bunch of good tries and I'm gonna do better this time and then I fail and then I try better and then try to be, I learn, you know, whatever doesn't kill you, makes you strong, whatever, whatever, all right? I just keep on trying, but I keep on screwing up and maybe the next marriage will be better and maybe the, whatever. What if that's true? What if the voice is true? This is all you're ever gonna be. As long as you keep trying to live your life all by yourself. But what if all the stuff I've been talking about is true? And what if you invited and allowed the spirit of Jesus to come in you and do in you and through you what you can never do on your own? Not because you're a bad person, you just, I can't. And what if it's true that what Paul wrote, we looked at, what if Christ in you is your only shot? 
And, and what if it's true that what Paul also said is that you really can do all things, not because you're strong, but because Christ is in you and through Christ, he'll give you strength. Not to win every race, but no matter if you, if you fall down and don't even finish the race, you can still do that because Christ is in you. And what if what Jesus said was true when he looked at some guys that said, that's impossible. And he looked back and said, you're right. On your own, what I just told you to do is impossible, but it's not about that. But with me in you, with God, all things are possible. And what if, I got a couple more. What if you invited Jesus to not just forgive you, which would be a good thing, and not just teach you, which would be a good thing, and not just to help you feel better when times are really, really, really hard. That would be a good thing. You should do all that. But what if you asked Jesus to come and live in you? And what if, this is the last one, and what if two weeks from today, it's baptism weekend, what, what if just like in that story when those guys look back at, at Peter and realize, oh, I've messed up my life. What, what do I need to do to make sure God and I are okay? Not just today until I screw up again, but I'm forever. What, what do I need to do? And what if the answer is still the same? Turn your life back towards Christ and lean against him. Be baptized as an outward sign of that, that you're putting your faith and trust in Jesus. What if every day from now on for the rest of your life and eternity, you can get out of bed every day going, listen, I know I messed up yesterday, but I'm forgiven. And what's more, I can get up out of this bed and leave this bedroom and walk out my front door because I know Jesus is in me. And there's, there's still hope. What if you could live with confidence, finally? I had, a, I had a great conversation with a lady earlier today. I had a great conversation over the last couple of weeks, but this one really stuck with me. She said, uh, she said, last week was my first time ever coming to church in a long time. I've been sober for, I think she said 30 years or something like that. But this is the first time I ever really believed God forgave me for the stuff I did when I was a drunk. 30 years she's been carrying that around. That's some of our stories, isn't it? You could be free from that. And what if it's true? You say, well, what if it's not? But what if it is? It's worth a shot, don't you think? Maybe your only shot. I'm gonna pray. We're gonna sing one song, go home. Uh, and uh, I hope you come back. We're gonna keep on unpacking some of this stuff. Let me pray. We're gonna sing, stand up whenever you want or don't stand, whatever. All right, let's, let's pray. God, I, I, uh, I love your son, Jesus. He's my only hope. Because I, I look at a lot of great heroes in the Bible and I can't relate to most of them. But this guy named Peter, man, he could be our mascot. Because <laughs> he, he tried hard and failed. He made promises and broke them. He tried to do it out of his own strength and a lot of people needed him to be a better man and he fell flat on his face. And I sit and I listen and I read stuff like this and I just think nothing other than, yeah, me too, me too, me too. God, if I could be a, a good man, a, a good father, a good husband, if I could keep those thoughts out of my head and in unguarded moments always do the right thing, if I could do that out of my own strength, I would have already done that. But I know me pretty well and I think everybody sitting in this room knows themselves pretty well. And that's just not going to happen on my own. So I need forgiveness for my past. I'm pretty sure I'm going to make mistakes in the future. So I need to know that going into tomorrow that you and I are going to be okay. But as much as I need all that, I need to know that when I get up out of this chair in a minute and walk out to my car, that I don't have to worry about, can I pull this off? Because I know you're in me. And from the inside out, it may take years for me to get to that place where I need to be, but I know you're in me, changing me into the man I was created to be. So God, we just need you. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.